Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Before we get started with today's show, I just want to point out a few things that you can where my socials are to follow the show after the show. My Instagram handle is Ben underscore Kaloy, K-I-L-L-O-Y. My military veteran dad handle is at military veteran dad. No no spaces, no dashes, just at military veteran dad. And I'm also on Twitter at, at Ben Kaloy. You can follow me on Facebook either through friends or just simply following. I'm pretty much active on all places there, posting uh, random pieces of information, random colloisms, and just different uh, perspectives and a little bit what like my life what my life is like living each day. Today's episode on Andy Stump is a real, real, real good one. And it's a perfect example of how we need to continue to live forward in our life and that when we feel stuck, it's literally only because we're not moving. So a few weeks back, I decided to dive into the Joe Rogan podcast. And some of you out there listening might already know about the Joe Rogan podcast. I had known about it, but never really squirreled it. And then I decided to squirrel it. Going through the show list and that very first one, which one do you pick? Navy SEAL comes up. Sounds like a good one. The amount of random information they talked about for three hours was mind-boggling. But at the very end, he talked about being a dad. And that part hit me really good. And I was like, sounds like Andy is a guy I need to add to my list. Put him on my list. A few weeks later, I decided to reach out to him, starve my fear. He reached back out and said, hey, I'd love to come on your podcast. And today, we have his episode on here today. And it just is a clear example through my podcast and everything we need to do in life as veterans, as dads, that when we stand still, a fog sets in around us. And as we begin to take steps forward, that fog slowly lifts. Everything about this podcast is confusing most days. But the parts that bring clarity are when I'm moving forward, just picking something to do and moving forward. Andy is joining us today because I randomly listened to the Joe Rogan podcast. So much of where you need to go in life is going to come from those little moments that you don't actually know what you're doing, but just continuing to move, talking to a stranger, talking to a friend, listening to something that has your curiosity. I'm a big, big believer in following your curiosity. Those reasons are the reason we have Andy on our show today and to give us the lessons that he's learned as a dad. And uh, ultimately what Andy kind of showed me is that he's just like us. He may seem like he's got a crazy life as a uh, skydiver and wingsuit man, but he's a dad with three kids who su- suffers from the same things as we do and puts his pants on just one leg at a time, just like we do. And he was just a very humble guy, and it was an amazing interview. Next, I would like to go ahead and announce that starting today in the show notes, we're going to head and launch our Facebook group. This has been something that's been asked by a few fans out there, and I'm going to dive in and go ahead and launch. So I'll go ahead and put the link in the show notes. Go ahead and pop in there. The Facebook group's going to be where we can continue the conversations from the show, continue to interact, where you can interact with me more, and then also just get that support. So much of being a military veteran dad today is just not knowing you're alone. That when you feel that feeling of alone, there is nothing more paralyzing and death-defying in your head 
that knowing that, and thinking that you're the only ones with these thoughts. So in the Facebook group, we are going to dive into those real deep and be vulnerable, talk about what scares us and come together and be the dads that we know we need to be going forward. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet, I would really appreciate it. Those reviews, I read every one of them and they mean the world to me. And understanding how this podcast is impacting your life continues to fuel my mission to continue this message, to share stories, and continue to help bring military veteran dads home. And before we get started, I just want to share one final story that before recording this intro on the podcast, I just went and visited my daughter at school for lunch. And it was a quick day. I took the vacation day today, and I knew I had planned on it. But And I've done it before, but I always forget how impactful. Just showing up, lunch is 15 minutes, folks. 15 minutes of time where it's not even that great conversation, but just being there. You, every one of those kids around her is always asking, are you her dad? Are you her dad? Or is your, is, who, who, what do you do? What's your name? They all want to know about you. They are someone that you don't understand, but they're a hero. And your daughter or my, your son gets to call you dad. And the amount of impact that you have on her social circles just knowing that you showed up into their lives with that little bit of intention that day. And even I spent some more time on the playground with them, just jumping rope, swinging. Like the kids just come swarming around you because they, they want to be connected to someone that's out there on the playground because it doesn't happen very often. It's almost like a white unicorn. So if you have the opportunity to visit your kids at school, I can't stress enough how important that is because on this podcast, we talk about every show, they kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And this was a simple half hour out of my day. And I don't know what seeds this is going to plant for her, but I know it's going to be impactful. And I know she's going to remember it. And it didn't cost me a dime. I packed my lunch here. I brought it. I enjoyed the time. It's done. And I feel good about myself. I know my daughter feels good about herself. And it's those little moments that are going to make the shift for you to come home. It's not going to be the big things. It's not going to be the big things you can't afford. It's the little things that you just being you and showing up in her life in her way or his way that's really going to make the impact. So, Dad, without further ado, welcome Andy Stumpf. Today on the show, we have Andy Stumpf. Andy enlisted in the military in 1996. He quickly dove into the Navy SEAL training, also known as BUDS. He was selected to be part of Elite Navy SEAL Team 6. He served several deployments around the world to various combat zones. You might also know Andy from setting two world records. In 2015, he jumped from 36,500 feet and flew over 18 miles in a wingsuit in an effort to raise $1 million for the Navy SEAL Foundation. Today, Andy is out of the service but continues to support the military community and runs several businesses, including the Cleared Hot podcast. He has taken what he learned while serving and ensuring is not forgotten. He now lives with his family in Montana with his wife and daughter and two sons. Andy, thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Describe what your family looks right now and any gaps in that intro. Uh, I like to say is my family is growing rapidly and I don't like the pace and velocity. I remember when my kids could fit in the freaking palm of my hand. And now I have a son who is getting ready to be a sophomore in high school next year. He keeps asking me questions about driving, which is ridiculous because he can drive when he's 30. And, uh, you know, he's, so he's 15 and a half going on 16. My other son's 13. My daughter's 10. They all have their own activities and things that they love to do. And it's the biggest, you know, well, there's not, not the biggest, but the only gap, I think, is the fact that my relevance is slowly dwindling as they're finding their way into the world. And it uh, drives me absolutely crazy. And I hate it. 
you realize the ironic part of that you are a man who flies at very fast speeds when you're in a wingsuit and you just talked about the velocity of, of your kids growing up as something that bothers you. I know. I get it. It doesn't mean I have to like it. True. I like that. So over, you've had a long, t- you, you were, so your kids were in the military with you then, right? Yes. Um, I met my wife. We married in 2001 in February of 2001. Obviously the world shifted on us later that year. But, you know, I joined in 1996, so I was already in when I met my wife and then had all three of my children while I was still in. So when you were serving, what did it mean for you to hear the words come home? You know, I didn't do a good job of it when I was serving. Uh, to me, it just meant be at home. And I think there's a huge difference between being at home and then being present. Mm-hmm. Uh, the operational tempo was really high. And... I would take the time that I could get and I would be home, but quite often I think my mind was occupied elsewhere, whether it be with requirements at work or something that was coming up, thinking about a deployment I had just come off of or thinking about a deployment I was just getting ready to go on or a training cycle, uh, which I think a lot of military people can recognize because it's a very task-oriented job Mm -hmm. and I think it's really hard to disconnect. So when I was in it had a little bit of a different meaning. I just associated with where I was geographically. Now I look at it much more as in a perspective of being mentally present as opposed to being physically present. Was there a moment that where you just kind of woke up to where you, what you weren't doing? No, I think for most things, most things for me in my life, I don't, I don't have this awakening moment. It's, it's kind of more of a slow realization, generally based off of seeing some maybe negative aspects and trying to figure out where they were coming from, whether that be in behavior or my relationship with my kids or my relationship with my wife and just realizing it's in a place that I didn't want it to be and taking the time to figure it out. But I just never, I know I've never had that moment or the epiphany where I woke up in the middle of the night, like, Oh, I need it need to change. It was slower and incremental. Is there advice you would send out there to other active duty members that are maybe I think a lot of veterans or not, a lot of active duty get hung up on that your service is noble sacrifice of your family time, but they, re- they don't realize that like, it's like credit card debt. It just keeps building and building and building and eventually you got to come back. And it's a, it's very seductive to tell yourself, you know, that the job is so important. So therefore it can occupy all your time, but it is a job at the end of the day. It's an occupation. Yes. You have a uniform and you're very lucky in the fact that you get to wear your nation's flag on that uniform. But at the end of the day, you're going to give that uniform back at some point, regardless of how long you serve and your family is still going to be sitting there. And like you said, it's like credit card debt. If you don't pay attention to how much debt you have, uh, you might be filing for bankruptcy when you get out. So I would just tell them, or not, I wouldn't tell them anything. My advice would be focus less on physically being there and more on mentally being there. I mean, obviously be there as much as you can, but then detach as much as you can from the job in those moments as well. So every podcast episode, I remind dads that kids spell love T-I-M-E. Over the Mm -hmm. life of your kids, what are the simplest things that you've done with them that they remember years later? They are like, really? That's what they remember? I think more than anything, it's when I had just taken the time to be with them and do what they want to do. You know, you have these illusions of grandeur, like, oh, we're going to take the family to Disneyland and they'll remember it forever because it's the happiest place on, which it's not. (laughs) I hate that place. (laughs) But that's my idea of something that I think that they would want to do. For me, the things that my kids have remembered the most, I think would be just 
again, like I said, when I take the time to be there with them and really connect with them and do the things that they want to do. Because what I think is valuable and important in that perspective, it doesn't matter. It's more about what they think is valuable and important, whether it be just taking the time to take an entire day to just snuggle on the couch with my daughter and watch the most ridiculous My Little Pony shows that make me want to blow my brains out. Yeah, and the fact that there's like six seasons of those on Netflix is even more mind-numbing. It's terrible, and they autoplay. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I want to get off this couch, but I don't because, you know, my daughter's 10 now, and she's not going to be able to or willing to do this with me when I'm older. And just simple things like that, spending the time with them, doing what they want to do. Um, under that memory. Yeah, and, and, and making the memory with them on their terms instead of yours. I can imagine being a planner that, that you often struggle just letting go. I don't do great with idle time. <clears throat> so, and that's a knife that cuts both ways. For me, I'm not worried about what I'm going to do when I retire because that's never happening. So I don't have to worry about, uh, well, not that I don't have to. I think I worry less about, you know, oh my gosh, my 501, you know, or, you know, my 401 or like all those, you know, the investment stuff, which is smart to have, of course. But to me, it's, I enjoy that struggle. But the other edge of that blade, like I said, that cuts both ways is when I do have idle time, it's tough for me to disconnect and put the gears back into neutral. Mm-hmm. Is this, is this something that you've really only started to get a grasp of since you've left the, the Navy? Definitely. And I think that that's natural because if you've served in the military, you'll intuitively understand how good the military is at creating a centric, myopic focus on your job. And they're very good at getting you to put your head down and nose to the grindstone. And I'm not saying that's a negative thing at all. But one thing that if I could tell my younger self would be take the time to lift your head a little bit and look around. Because like I said, it's a job and it should be treated as an occupation, not a defining characteristic of who you are in your life. Because when it ends, if it has been the sole focus in your life, like I said before, you might, might struggle a little bit on the situation that you're in when you get out. I've been having a few interviews just recently, and I've been pondering this idea that a lot of veterans, once we get out, we get hung up on trying to make sense of our legacy of our service and what all of that meant, why your friends died, why we came back, why we survived. And I think what we get and figuring out how that's going to make our life better in the future. But we figure we forget that the service is only whatever, how many time it was for me, it was four yeah. years. Like it's over once it's over. Like that's your legacy is that you're just a family member that served in the military. Like that's the primary legacy and, the, and shifting our legacy to the future of our family is, is, is almost like this catechism that's a big leap to jump over. But once we shift towards a new way of looking at our legacy, that it's not our service. It's not meant to be making sense. So like that person died so you could live so your kids could have a dad for the rest of their life. Like focusing on that shift that I think is something where veterans don't make that shift. And we yeah. get so hung up trying to figure out what the hell our service meant and why we survived and others didn't. Yeah. You know, personally, I think I gave up on that um, because I can't make sense of any of it. Exactly. Uh, you can't. Yeah. I saw things that made sense and I saw the things that made absolutely no sense. And I'd love to get to a point where people are surprised to find out that I was in the military. I'm incredibly proud of my service. Um, I'm, but more than anything, I'm, I'm more just in awe of the people that I served with. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd like to, I think the best way to honor them is to take the things that I learned from them, the examples, both good and bad, because there were, of course, both. It's yep. People think this, or especially the SEAL teams, I think it's this utopia of perfection, which it's not. 
know, the best leaders I've ever been around were in the SEAL teams and the worst I've ever been around were in the SEAL teams. And there's something to be gained from both. And the best experiences I think I've ever had were from the SEAL teams and also the worst. And I want to honor the people that I was with by taking those lessons and then doing something with them that is completely non sequitur to the military. And I would, lo- I would love it for people to, you know, years down the road be like, oh, wow, that guy was in the military too. You know, so not being defined by it, by u- but using it as a springboard to just do something else. Yeah. And I can imagine as all those lessons of life, friendship and hardship and even leadership has something that you've maybe even helped coach your kids through and just help them. I tried to, I mean, you got to do age appropriate. I mean, uh, I spent a a good portion of my year doing public speaking and interfacing with brands throughout the world. And one of the biggest things I try to reinforce when I speak is that it's not my goal to militarize their organization. And I think it's important, especially for mothers and fathers to do exactly the same thing with their families. Don't militarize your kids. Don't militarize the environment that you're raising your kids. You can take the lessons that you've learned in leadership and discipline and accountability and responsibility and fill in the blank of whatever you want that would look great on a Hallmark card and do it appropriately with your kids, but do it with a soft touch as opposed to a guillotine and you'll get, you'll get a lot farther down the road. I like that answer. What do you want your kids to remember about you when you're 30? If they're at a bar talking with their friends, what do they hope to say about you? I would like for them just to say that I was always there for them and I was supportive of whatever they wanted to do, supportive of their goals. And it was my primary mission in life to enable their success. Is there one thing in particular that you do to help reinforce that idea to them? I think the biggest thing I can do for my kids is to set the example for them on everything that we've talked about, you know, accountability, responsibility, work ethic, fill in the blank. Um, I think the best thing you can do as a parent is to set the example that you want to see your kids follow. Because when it comes to, you know, standards, if you want to have your kids hold a standard, it doesn't really matter what comes out of your mouth as a parent, because they do hear you, of course, even though it's hard to get the message across as they're into their teenage years, but they're also watching you. And if they see a divergence between what you say and what you do, it's, I mean, what example are you setting there? Cause then they have to pick between, well, is it what he says that's important or is it what he does that's important? And if you want your kids to be responsible uh, and you talk about uh, fiscal responsibility, right? But then you're in credit card debt and you don't have the ability to buy them baseball stuff when they need to go and start their baseball season because You've been financially irresponsible. What lesson have you taught? That's not enabling or empowering your kids. So if you want to talk about responsibility, you have to live it. If you want to talk about professional and respectful interaction with everybody that you encounter, you have to live it. You can't sit there and, you know, act one way in front of people and then talk shit about them behind their back. I mean, it's the kids. It's amazing to me how much of a sponge they are. It actually infuriates me because I am just as human as anybody else. And I love to make mistakes. I actually don't, but I just can't stop myself from doing it because I'm human. And they are sitting there watching, learning, and mimicking my behavior every time I do so. So that's the, that's the best lesson I can do for them is to is obviously lay the foundation verbally, but the most important portion of that is for me to live it myself. I find it crazy of how like our kids are brought into this world to like show us where our gaps are. 
Like yeah, so no, how like they it, model though. the exact thing that like, man, what I suck at that. This kid's just Why do they only model right the there. Stuff? It's only the bad stuff though. Like, damn it, didn't you see the good example I set yesterday? Why can't you do that? They're right there. Every time I mess up, I turn around, I'm like, oh, there's those little set of eyes and ears. <laughs> yeah. I've heard uh, a good dis- definition of integrity was when your words align with your actions. And I, I like that. That's a lot of where parenting goes wrong is that we say things, but, and it's more like do as I say, not, or do as I say, not as I do like a little yeah. joke, but Which that's not for long-term success. Correct. And it's going to, it's going to create fractures. It's going to, and I think as you grow to what you talked about, to have it, that, that, safe place for them to come to you with anything they need to trust you and if you haven't set a foundation of trust with your words and your actions then there's not going to be that safe place and even if you told them that you can come to them every day for the rest of your life they probably won't because they don't feel safe because you haven't actually aligned what you're saying and that's your fault not theirs yeah and but the hard part is most parents it's so easy to outsource our our own shit to other people or an app or a phone or you know yeah, I, I've there was um, I used to have a, a a mindset of like I didn't feel very hopeful, and then I was working through this thought, and I realized, well, I'm outsourcing my hope to other people in my life, and that makes it easy because then I can blame everybody else when I don't feel hopeful, but it's on me to make sure that I feel hopeful. <coughs> totally agree. What was your scariest moment as a dad? Uh, I would say probably just becoming a dad was becoming probably one of the scariest moments. And then as my kids have gotten older, you know, when, the, when your kids are young, I think any parent can agree with this. The problems are very simple. It's a matter of making sure you change diapers, clean the baby, and feed the baby. I mean, and then as they age, they call, as they become more complex as a human being, the problems can become more complex as well. And, uh, you know, one thing that I just am very cognizant of and concerned with is their access to social media. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that, and I tell my kids this, they're growing up in a more difficult time than I did because of the access and ease of communication and reach, which is a beautiful thing. But again, it's another knife that cuts both ways. Yep. You have access. And that also means that for whatever reason, I don't know why when it's associated with an electronic device, negativity seems to be what people lead with. And so there's just this ability to access this negativity and get caught in these negative feedback loops. And it's so easy to, to just step in and talk shit to a random person that you don't know or make a negative comment. And uh, so we've had some issues with the social media type stuff. And it's just this constant reinforcement of understanding that there's a link between these interactions that occur on the ether of the internet and the real world. And it's tough. And I didn't have to deal with it. And it, I'm glad that I didn't because I probably wouldn't have survived because I had some really stupid thoughts in my teenage years. And I'm glad that I didn't have the microphone and access in the, there in the world that someone yeah, can find them now and Google them and just say, Andy, you said that. Yeah. So it's tough. Um, so as the kids age, they, the problems become more complex and you just got to be prepared for that as a parent. And I, I think so much of like we talked about where they were, the kids are absorbing what's around them. Social media, everything they almost everything a kid sees, they attribute to a fact almost without really any arbitrary of thought of whether it's real or not. And so there's it's very difficult to distinguish social media is not real because it's physically on your screen and they aren't conditioned to realize that it's just a bunch of electrons flowing and that that person's opinion doesn't matter. My daughter, my oldest daughter is seven, and I'm constantly reinforcing to her that she's good enough, that she's beautiful, 
and that if just because I if like uh, even her brother will say something stupid to her and I'm just like do you think that was true and she's like no and I'm like well your opinion of yourself is the only one that matters because I can only imagine the world she's going to grow up into where the amount of just the comparing yourself to others like I feel like for my daughter my primary goal is just to get her to be okay with who she is and comfortable and that her opinion is the yeah. one that matters the most because it's when, like I had the same issue just in general like you seek validation from others and when you seek validation from others you're gonna get hurt and you have to yeah. be able to balance your own yeah you know their brains are still developing and so they, they don't have the ability to really find the nuance just because and i've had that issue too just because it shows up on a screen regardless of the size from an imax theater to an iphone it doesn't mean it's true that's the thing you know I certainly agree with uh, everybody having the right to voice their opinion, but uh, maybe we all shouldn't have the same speed internet connection because not all opinions are equally valid. And I think one of the, you probably seen this as you travel that one of the biggest um, gaps for most Americans is we don't take the time to add any depth to our view that we just spew out whatever was repeated and accepted as fact. And like, I have a mission when my kids get older that I want to travel the world and I want them to understand poverty. I want them to understand what the real world is like because Americans like to think we have a worldly view, but we really don't, even though we like to think we have the answers for everything, but we actually spend no time actually getting outside of our country to understand what the real world is really like. Yeah, I was researching it uh, a while ago and something like only 20% of Americans have a passport and only 5% of those people actually use it. I was buying flowers for my wife the other day and I was talking to the florist and she's lived in the same three counties for all of her life and never really left. Which, which is a beautiful thing, but also that shapes your worldview as well. Just because you follow an Instagram page from France or the United Kingdom or somewhere in Europe doesn't mean that you have an understanding until you can go and see it firsthand. I think experience uh, it, experience the kindness sometimes, like get past the fear of the media. And I think that's one of the strengths of military service is the fact that you will get to hopefully, uh, you know, leave where you're from. Well, unless you, you know, are from where you're going to boot camp and where you're going to serve, you're at least going to get to travel inside of the U S you're probably going to get to travel internationally. So you're going to get to layer on some context of how the rest of the world operates, how they view us. And it, I think it's very grounding. I think it's an important thing to do. Uh, and I, and for me, I've already like all three kids, they've all been to, out of the U.S. Uh, multiple times. I try to take them on a trip once a year just so they can go out and see something other than, you know, where we live. I think it's is important it for their content. Is it a one-on-one trip? Family trip. Have you ever done any one-on-one trips? Uh, I have, but only inside of the U.S. Because I've been – I hear I've heard this, so I, I'm, this is more in my mind is something to pay attention to, that by adding depth – in those experiences, which most parents don't spend much time giving experiences, they spend more time giving things, that that I'm hoping to help give them a view of the world so they can figure out how they fit into it. Because I feel like you can't go to school for 18 years and just assume you figure out how you re- get into it. And if you go by the American dream, then you're just going to go to college for four years, get a bunch of debt, start a family, yeah. find out your job you hate, you're miserable, you have debt, you have car payments, you have a kid, and you're just going to be in a life of misery. But I, I'm convinced to that you need to get outside of your life to figure out how you fit into it at the same time. I agree. And the more you can expand your boundaries, the more room you have to actually dream. You know, the American dream, push the left and right limits as far as you can so you actually have room to dream. Because 
like you said, a bunch of school with a bunch of debt and a car payment. Like, I don't think that's anybody's dream when they wake up. And so much, the hard part is consumerism drives patterns. It just, it wants you to stay in a pattern. So you drive to Target every week and it gets the same amount of Target items and the same amount of groceries and that you yep. don't actually get outside of your life because that's what drives commercialism and people and capitalism to spend money. But at the same time, those patterns are what keep people mediocre and stop actually. I'm convinced it's one of the reasons why Americans are actually very miserable because we, we just get into a pattern of our life. Like if you go to Europe, they travel multiple times a year. They go on multiple vacations. Like they get outside of their life regularly. We yeah, it's a, different, it's a different environment. Pattern. We're kind of been, uh, it's, it's almost like we're being shaped, like you said, by those organizations to seek fulfillment from things as opposed to experiences. And I, and I, I feel, at least anecdotally, that it's, it's the reverse, that you'll get fulfillment from the experience, not from a physical item. And I've had even, there's been a question when I think of like birthdays or Christmases, like it's nice getting a present, but then I'm thinking like, how has this memory served me over my life? Like me attaching happiness to buying a thing, the next Apple product or any of that, like that memory hasn't really served me well, even though it's nice. Yeah. Kids love it. That memory doesn't serve them long-term well. It just conditions them to seek happiness and validation from things that never actually create happiness or validation. I agree. What advice would you have out there for busy dads? You seem like a guy that's kind of like doing a little bit of everything. Uh, what do you yeah, do? Yeah, my life's a mess. My life's a mess. You know, for me, like right now, is before we start the podcast, right? So we're starting early, which is perfect. And I usually start my day early. For one, it's the only time in my day where the house is quiet, so I can crank through some work. But then, you know, my favorite things to do are, I love taking my boys to school. Usually my wife takes my daughter just because they kind of go in different directions. but I love the morning drive to school with my kids, talking to them, and I love picking them up. And what I try to do is crank out all of my work and everything that I need to do in the hours before they're up or when they're at school. So when they do come back, it's I can be with them as opposed yeah. to doing the things that I, you know, I have enough time in my day and I just try to structure my life so I can get all of the responsibilities that I need to have done when it comes to work so that it can enable me and give me time so I can be a dad and just make sure that people understand the difference between the two. Just because you're working hard doesn't mean that you're being a good parent. You need to work hard to enable you to give you the time to be a good parent. Yeah. Even this podcast, I wake up at 5 a.m. on the weekends to go to Starbucks and work on it while my kids are sleeping. And then I come home at eight o'clock and be dad yep. for the rest of the day. Yep. And it's tough to do because you're like, oh, I don't want to, you know, I want to sleep in too. Well, yeah, but you got to remember your job is to empower and enable your kids. So get up early, set the alarm clock, crank out the work, come home and be dead. And you, you know, your kids will you know, thank you for it later on, hopefully when they're 40 and you're almost dead. Yeah. And the, my goal with this podcast is to eventually create it as a business that I can be a stay at home dad. Cause I really want yeah. what you're having, put them on the bus, get here. And I hate that I have to go do a job every day and I'm, I'm ready for that part of my life to be over and I'm ready to just be dead. Like that's where my heart, is attracted to most right now. Well, let me know if you figure out how to make a podcast your job because I'm going to repeat and uh, steal that plan from you because I'm on, <laughs> I'd love to be able to do it. I, I my own podcast. I, I love creating it, but it's kind of just, I do it because it helps me explore me, but I haven't figured out how to make it or I don't even know if necessarily I want to make it, but if you ever crack that nut, let me know so I can copy you. Crack it. You got to be surrounded by the people that there are people out there that do it. You got to be surrounded in the right networks out there. 
being yeah, yeah and, but honestly i do know quite a few people who are pretty big in the podcast world but we never talk about it i, I mean because they're just my friends it's just I, I actually forget most of the time that that's like rogan's that's a story yeah it's like i mean he's just to me he's just my friend joe i've known him for a couple of years now he's a great guy and then when i'm sitting on his podcast i go oh yeah i forgot that you do this so it's it's not it's not primary in our relationship for sure. The Joe Rogan podcast is where I found you because I was diving into him randomly. Yeah, and I saw Navy Seal, and then I was like, okay, I'll listen to this one. And then I was it was my very first episode. You were the first very first Joe Rogan I listened to. Yeah, no, like, he, he's, he's awesome. Three and hours, was crazy. And then when you so mentioned he's, your dad at the very end, I was like, golden. I can ask him to be on the yeah. podcast. So he's cracked a nut for sure. But there's only one Joe Rogan in the world. So my piece of advice for people is don't try to be Joe. You need to be yourself. <laughs> yeah. Because you hear it all the time. I'm going to be the next Joe Rogan. It's like, mm, I don't know if you are, buddy, but, you know, aim high. Aim high, but aim. And I've, I've actually felt reasonably. Aim high, but aim reasonably. Is when people have an idea. is like, well, is it worth waking up at 5 a.m. on the weekend to sacrifice sleep for? And probably the answer is no. And they're like, oh, it's probably not the right idea. Because it's just an idea. When you, like... When I started this, like I started going faster. I was more committed. I was more willing to wake up at 5 a.m. Before there was lots of days where I wasn't willing to wake up at 5 a.m. And yeah. like when it's when you can wake up at 5 a.m. to put your time into something, that's when you've got the right idea. Yeah, you know you're on the right path. When you know hitting the off button on the alarm and getting out of bed is easy, you're on the right path. Yeah. I'll definitely keep you in touch. And I'll Perfect. let you know when I figure out how to be a stay-at-home dad from the podcast. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> What do you want your family's legacy to be? My family's legacy? Um, more than anything, I want them to be an example for other people. I mean, it's, it's, it really is that simple for me. I would, the best thing I, I could ever be remembered for would be to have three amazing kids that went out and, and changed the world. So for me, it's not, even, it's not even about me. It's about my kids and what they want to do and just empowering and enabling them. I was just talking in a podcast I was recording yesterday that I've always liked Steve Jobs when he describes making a dent in the universe. And I was like, well, if you imagine that the universe is a wall and he had a similar legacy that he wanted, I was like, you want people to walk by that wall and be like, that dent was from stumps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not going to come through me. That'll come through my kids. Yeah. And I think what you're talking about is focusing on them to make that impact. Like that's purpose, which yeah. gives veterans what we belonging of where we can put our energy. And I think, Honestly, I think this is the biggest thing that prevents veterans from moving forward is because we just keep trying to figure out the past and forgetting that the future is really where the next legacy is going to be made. I completely agree. When you hear the, the 22 movement of 22 awareness, where does your mind go with that? For me, being totally honest, I question that number because um, <clears throat> I looked at the data of how that number was created. I mean... I <laughs> And I, and I say that with nothing but love and compassion. Yeah. I don't want, I don't understand suicide personally. I've never had suicidal thoughts. I, I, I just, to me, it's, I've never, I don't understand being in a place where taking your own life would seem like the most reasonable solution. Having said that, I understand completely that there are people there who struggle with that, but I don't know if the number 22 is accurate. I think it is a very convenient number for people to put out, to draw attention to it. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you look at where that number comes from and the data that it was that they used, it was very incomplete. The data is relatively old. And it was very uh, like age ambiguous as well. Like it included very correct. older correct. veterans as, as much and, as younger. And having said all of that, 
um, I don't want anybody to go down that path. So even though I don't, I don't necessarily put a lot of validity into that number, I absolutely support doing everything I possibly can to make that number zero, regardless of what the number is. Yeah. Um, it's five, it's too much. I agree. And it, you know, in, you know, veterans taking their life is, it's an issue, but suicide in general in the United States is an issue. So instead of carving out like 40%, it's crazy. Yeah. So instead of carving out specifically just the veterans when it comes to people taking that action, I think we should focus much more on the culture and society in general. And instead of saying this population is more important than that segment of the population, let's get rid of that. And let's just focus on the issue in and of itself for all of the United States, all of society and not, it's, I don't know if the 22 necessarily is trying to make one group more important than the other, but it does highlight one demographic more than the other. And the issue is broad in our society. So I'd rather focus on the broad issue than the specific one. Did you, have you lost friends to suicide in the military? Yeah. And the ones who, who went down that path were the ones who I would have never guessed that they would have taken those actions, which again, to me, it's, and I've sat a lot of time thinking about it. It's baffling to me. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand how you get to that point. Um, and I have nothing but empathy for people who are struggling with that. I just don't personally understand it. And I wish, you know, my biggest thing is I, I end up pissed because I wish they would have reached out. Yeah. When I started this podcast, I didn't realize it until I was crafting the messaging that I think even if it's 22 or five, part of the problem begins with, that all 22 have different problems. They're all different people. And you can't save yeah. all 22 at the same stroke of a pen. And it's a broad and nuanced problem. It's not a, like switch, you know, it, we're not going to flip one switch and solve the and issue. And awareness isn't going to fix it either. It may just make people feel sadder about it, but that's about it. And I realized by picking the dad when I started this podcast that I was just picking one of the 22 and going a mile deep instead of an inch deep with each one of the 22. And I think that's part of where that we need to dive into more like the, the suicide because it, we, someone needs to go a mile deep in each of the categories in order to get through. And what I've realized so far when I've been doing this podcast is that when Still you lose there? It, yep, sorry, I, my internet quickly became unstable there for a second. Um, can you see me? How about now? Perfect, we're yes. back. Uh, is that when that we get so lonely after that transition that we lose the tribe and for 2000 year men survived in tribes and somehow we think we can do it alone. We were conditioned not to talk about what we're feeling, that emotions get you killed, but emotions need to be felt and understood and not suppressed. And that this voice inside your head, the monkey brain that you deal with the meditation that tells you that your life's not worth living becomes so loud that it's like an echo chamber, that it's literally the only voice that's drowning out every yeah. other input in your life that ultimately reaches one conclusion that your life is better and your family is better without you. And I've one, I, I haven't even heard it happen yet, but sooner or later, someone's going to message me and saying like, you're just hearing the words come home on your podcast, like woke me up to what I needed to be for my family. And that no matter what you think that's going to happen. There was a podcast where a guy was 36 years old and his dad killed himself when he was 10. He's like, I'm 36 and I'm still recovering from it. Like you're leaving a scar. Yeah. That yeah it's uh, I have no, I have no data to support it. But again, just anecdotally, it seems like if a family member went down that path, 
it seems to lend itself that other family members will also follow in that. And they, it, which is surprises me because they understand the pain that their family member left behind and they're repeating that incredibly negative cycle. Mm -hmm. I love that. What advice would you look for a dad coming home to his marriage? Well, one, hopefully that, uh, he was, present along the path. So you're not all of a sudden arriving and then trying to shovel yourself out of a hole that you may not be able to get out of. Uh, you know, military relationships, I think they're hard. They're going to be hard for people to understand who aren't in the military, uh, who haven't under, uh, experienced the operational tempo or the pre-deployment cycle or the deployment cycle. And, you know, if uh, in a traditional and air quotes relationship where you're spending nearly every minute with your significant other, and if you have to go away for a weekend, it's a substantial affair. You know, I mean, it's a very like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be gone for two days. Where if you come from a military background, you may well be gone for two days before your significant other realizes you're not around because you're used to that coming and going. It's uh for most, I mean, I guess the best piece of advice I could give to guys is just make sure every opportunity you can that you're there before you get out. So it's not something that you have to arrive back into when you're done at the end of the day, because I think that's where a lot of people are going to struggle because then you're going to have to basically reintroduce yourself and figure out if you're still the same people. What is a resource or a book you would recommend other, other military dads? <laughs> A resource or a book? Well, I tell you what, the podcast world is pretty incredible because one, it there's a podcast. There's a podcast everything. for everything, but you can do it when you're doing other activities. I like it because it doesn't require your hands and your eyes, right? You could throw a set of earbuds in, and you can. I mean, as you know, the universe of podcasting is diverse, so you could search for any topic that you want to. And when you're mowing the lawn, you can listen to it. When you're doing the dishes, you can listen to it. So I would say certainly. Seek out that information because it's so easily accessible. Off the top of my head, I don't actually have a book that I could recommend. Uh, my, you know, my biggest piece of advice for people in the military transitioning out is just explore avenues that have nothing to do with the military. Round yourself out. Instead of being a square peg in the military square hole, Turn yourself into a circle, you know, one degree at a time and just start reaching out in different avenues and exploring things that have nothing to do with the military because I have found, at least for myself, it's very rewarding. Did you feel like you had a solid identity of yourself when you left? Uh, the, more so now than I did when I first got out. I, I definitely really struggled when I first got out. Um, and I think that's totally natural. I, I wouldn't expect anybody to get out and the day after they get out, they have this perfect identity that's completely outside of the military. Because the reality is you're going you're gonna to carry it with you for the rest of your life, but carry it in your back pocket and just not on your chest is what I would recommend to guys. Yep. I've heard it said that uh, going transitioning out is going from Superman to Clark Kent and you got to figure out who to be as Clark Kent, which doesn't really have yeah. an identity. Or, you know, and try not to look at yourself as Superman while you're in. You know, it's just a uniform. It's a different job with roles and responsibilities, but at the end of the day, it's just that. It's an occupation. It's not who you are. And I think the ego is something that, I've come to think of ego as a protection mechanism for what our brain doesn't really want to reveal to someone that we turn on an ego in one area of our life because that's, we're hiding something. And it, maybe it's like, we don't believe we belong in the military, but whatever it is, like your ego is the one thing that'll prevent you from coming home the most because you have to, to be humble in order to come home and recognize you won't have all the answers and that you're, 
You're not yep. Superman. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but yeah, I like that. That it, it, it's, 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 it's the enemy, but at the same time, I've used ego as a way, wherever I feel it strongly, that's somewhere that I need personal growth because there's probably an area that I'm trying to avoid and not yep. deal to someone. Yeah, I agree with that completely. It kind of just hit me that, but I was like, I, I, I felt like I was like, it's, it, it is a protection mechanism to keep our brain safe. And that's what our brain's been doing for 3000 years is designed to keep us safe. And somehow ego, I'm not sure how it would have evolved, but uh, it's there to hide what we really don't want to reveal to people. Yeah, I agree. What is a parting piece of advice you want to leave for dads? Focus less on being a vet and more on being a dad. I mean, I think that's honestly the best piece of advice you can give guys. Is there a reason why you don't talk about being a dad as much? Because I feel like um, you, you go on more of the other, the other route. Uh, I think a lot of the time, yeah, when I'm a guest on other podcasts, I mean, it's obviously largely driven by the route that the host is taking it. Yeah. I don't shy away from it at all. Um, and it, but it, again, at the same time, there's a level of wanting to also shield the privacy of my family. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'll, I mean, I'm open to talk about anything with anybody. I think a lot of the times when you're a guest on, like I said, the guest on other people's podcasts, it's kind of their ship to navigate. And if they don't go that direction, then, you know, we don't go that direction. If they do, I'm more than happy to dive in. One of the things I've liked about this is when uh, there's been a couple uh, influencers where they've never really had a chance to tell their story of being a dad, but they've wanted yep. to. And like, this has allowed them, I don't know what this has done for you, but um, like, it just gives them to talk about the side that they really, their why essentially of yep. why they do it, but not a lot of people dive into it. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, Andy, I love this episode and I know we brought a lot of dads home today and uh, I'm still a little bit, I, I had to starve the fear in order to send you the email to ask you because after a go, oh, stop. <laughs> uh, but uh, I'm glad that you replied and I'm glad we were able to uh, come together and uh, record this episode. Yeah, my pleasure, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank yep. you. Oh, I forgot to ask. If people want to connect with you, where's the best place to find you? Just throw go into Google and put my name in there. All the social channels are some version of my name. Is there a better social channel to follow you? <sighs> Probably the most active on Instagram. It's where I put my serious stuff, like pictures. <laughs> the jujitsu stuff? Which we didn't uh, even talk about, but that you, it's a big... I don't post much about it because all that ends up happening if I do that is people invite me to come to their gym so they can whip my ass. I'm like, I'm all, I'm all set on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... It's not why you do it, is it? <laughs> no, not at all. I do, <laughs> yeah. I do that it's for my own journey to continue to challenge myself. And yep. uh, I'm not interested in like trying to travel around and call people out. I, I could give two shits about that. Yeah. Well, Andy, thank you for your time and uh, have a good day. Yep. You too. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show. And I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it. And you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.